Section 64 of The Living Animals of the World, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Living Animals of the World, Volume 1, Mammals, by Charles Levis Cornish, Editor. Section 64. The Couscouses, the Wombat, and the Bandicoot. The Couscouses The familiar spotted couscous of New Guinea is the most ornate marsupial mammal. The males, more especially, are as variegated in color as a tortoise-shell cat, their tints, moreover, closely corresponding in hue with those of the feline. No two individuals, however, are precisely alike in this respect. Usually the ground color of the back is a dirty or creamy white, interspersed with various shaped blotches of nut brown or black. The chin, breast, and upper parts are a purer white, and the limbs gray or reddish-brown, or, as shown in the photography overleaf, mottled like the body. The black couscous of Celebes is, as its name denotes, a much more somber-looking animal, and is also the largest species, its dimensions equaling or exceeding those of a large cat. The uniformly tinted grey couscous of Timor, Amboina, and other of the Indo-Malay islands is very similar in size and aspect, excepting for the half-naked tail, to the common ring-tailed phalanger. All the couscouses are of rare occurrence in even their most favoured habitats. On one occasion, the writer came across an example of the grey species in the scrub forest of Thursday Island, Torres Straits. In this instance, however, it is doubtful if the animal was not an escaped pet brought over from the neighboring coast of New Guinea. Much interesting information concerning different varieties of the couscous is contained in Dr. Alfred Wallace's interesting work, The Malay Archipelago. An anecdote of one which was brought to this naturalist during his residence in the Aru Islands, the headquarters of the great bird of paradise, is thus related. Just as we had cleared away and packed up for the night, a strange beast was brought, which had been shot by the natives. It resembled in size and in its white woolly covering a small fat lamb, but had short legs, hand-like feet with large claws, and a long prehensile tail. It was a spotted couscous, one of the curious marsupial animals of the Papuan region, and I was very desirous to obtain the skin. The owners, however, said they wanted to eat it, and though I offered them a good price and promised to give them all the meat, there was great hesitation. Suspecting the reason I offered, though it was night, to set to work immediately and get out the body for them, to which they agreed. The creature was much hacked about, and the two hind feet almost cut off, but it was the largest and finest specimen of the kind I had seen and after an hour's hard work, I handed over the body to the owners, who immediately cut it up and roasted it for supper. The remarkable tenacity of life possessed by the couscous is fully attested to by Dr. Wallace. He says, They move about slowly and are most difficult to kill, owing to the thickness of their skins and tenacity of life. A heavy charge of shot will often lodge in their skin and do them no harm, and even breaking the spine or piercing the brain 
will not kill them for some hours. The natives everywhere eat their flesh, and as their motions are so slow, easily catch them by climbing, so that it is wonderful that they have not been exterminated. It may be, however, that their dense woolly fur protects them from birds of prey, and the islands they live in are too thinly inhabited for man to be able to exterminate them. One of the most notable circumstances respecting the couscous is the fact that it is one of the few marsupials whose geographical distribution extends so far east in the Malay archipelago as to be found associated with many of the higher mammalia which are altogether unrepresented in Australia or New Guinea. The Moluccas, including notably the islands of Silolo, Keramboru, and many smaller ones, for example, produce no less than three species of couscous, and are also the home of a species of baboon, a civet cat, a deer, and that remarkable pig, the babirusa. One other marsupial, a little flying phalanger, is likewise a denizen of these islands. It has been suggested by Dr. Wallace that none of the foregoing higher mammals are possibly indigenous to the Moluccas. The baboon, he remarks, is only found in the island of Bachian, and seems to be much out of place there. It probably originated from some individuals which escaped from confinement, these and similar animals being often kept as pets by the Malay inhabitants and carried about in their prows. The civet cat, which is more common in the Philippines, and throughout the Indo-Malay region, is also carried about in cages from an island to another, and not infrequently liberated after the civet has been abstracted from them. The deer, which is likewise tamed and petted, its flesh also being much esteemed for food, might very naturally have been brought by the Malays from Java, with the express object of its acclimatization. The Babirusa, whose headquarters are in the island of Celebes, is only found in Boru, its nearest neighbor in the Moluccan group. Dr. Wallace anticipates that these two islands were in former times more closely connected by land, and that under such conditions the Babirusa may have swum across the intervening channel. Should these several hypotheses be correct, the Molucca islands must be regarded, from a zoological standpoint, as an essentially Australasian or marsupial-producing region. The Wombats The Wombat family, claiming the next position in the marsupial galaxy, constitutes the very antithesis to the light and graceful arboreal phalangers. There are but three known species, one of these inhabiting Tasmania and the adjacent islands, while the other two are peculiar to the southern region of the Australian continent. In forms and gait, their thick-set tailless bodies suggest a cross between a small bear, a capybara, and, as bears and badgers, they are familiarly known by the Australian colonists. The badger simile is perhaps the most pertinently applied, with reference to their habit of excavating huge earth burrows as dwelling places, and out of which they customarily emerge only at night to feed. The Tasmanian wombat, at all events, is essentially gregarious in its habits. In the neighborhood of Swansea, on the east coast, it is, or was, particularly abundant, forming regular warrens among a light undergrowth of vegetation, through which traveling on horseback is a distinctly risky proceeding.
the temperament of the wombat is peculiarly placid, and hence, as it might be anticipated, they are essentially long-lived. One, Charlie by name, which has been domiciled at the zoo for the past thirty years, is still hale and hearty, and evidently disinclined yet awhile to immolate himself on the altar of fame as a much-needed successor to the antique effigy which has for so long represented his species in the British Natural History Museum. Waiting for dead men's shoes is a proverbially tedious task, and for a coveted wombat's skin evidently more so. The tough hide, with its thick, harsh fur, of the Tasmanian wombat or badger, as it is locally dubbed, is somewhat highly prized in the land of its birth. For floor and doormats and rugs, the pelt is practically indestructible, and as such, though scarcely a thing of beauty, the special pride of the thrifty housewife. This animal is also not infrequently made a household pet, and will waddle as complacently as an overfed poodle around the premises after its owner. The wombat, like the large majority of the marsupial animals, is for the most part nocturnal in habits, and a strict vegetarian. The wombats present several interestingly distinct structural peculiarities. In the first place, their teeth, which are twenty-four in number, all grow uninterruptedly throughout life, and are consequently devoid of roots. The incisor teeth are represented by but a single pair in each jaw, and, having enamel, only on their front surfaces wear away in a chisel-like form, as in the beavers and other rodents. Superficially in both form and habits, as well as in the character of their detention, the wombats may, in fact, be aptly likened to some unwieldy representative of the rodent order. Another structural peculiarity of the wombat is that it is the proud possessor of two more pairs of ribs than any other marsupial. Of the three known species, the common wombat of the south and eastern Australian states is the largest, attaining to a length of as much as three feet. The color of this form is subject to considerable variation, being sometimes yellow, yellow more or less mixed with black, or completely black. Albinism, as in the kangaroos and phalangers, is of apparently rare occurrence. The hair, while coarse, is less so than in the Tasmanian species. What is known as the hairy-nosed wombat, inhabiting South Australia, is intermediate in size between the common and the Tasmanian varieties. Its most distinctive features are the soft and silky character of its brownish hair and its longer and more pointed ears. The coarseness of the hair of the Tasmanian species has been previously referred to. In color, it is most usually a dark grayish-brown, while the ears are small and rounded. The flesh of the wombat is somewhat esteemed for food, being regarded by some as equal to pork, and much resembling it in flavor. Their predilection of tame specimens for milk is very strong, and it has been recorded of one animal that it was not only in the habit of seeking out the milk pans and pushing off the covers in order to drink the contents, but afterwards of taking a bath in what was left. A remarkable habit has been accredited to the wombat which invites scientific investigation. It is said to be capable of sustaining life for an abnormally long period under water, and that, 
when in the course of its travels it meets with a pond or river, it does not attempt to swim, but, deliberately entering the water, walks along the bottom, and so emerges on the opposite bank. The animals of Australia, living in not very remote geological times, included a near ally of the wombat, which equaled a tapir in dimensions. The Bandicoots The Australian Bandicoots, not to be confounded with their namesake of India, which is a big rat, constitute a very distinct little family group. They number in all some eight or nine species, distributed throughout the length and breadth of Australia and Tasmania, and found also in New Guinea. The largest member is about the size of a rabbit, and as its general shape, long ears and soft silky hair, impart some slight resemblance to that rodent, it is commonly known as the rabbit bandicoot. With the above enumerated points, however, the likeness ceases. Its possession of a moderately long tail, pointed snout and feet modified on a plan, closely resembling those of the kangaroos, indicating its essentially distinct nature. In a second variety, having somewhat the same external contour, but smaller in size, the four limbs are very short, and the feet so modified that only two toes are visible externally. With reference to this peculiar feature, it is known as the pig-footed bandicoot. In a third kind of similar dimensions, with harsh brown fur, the ears are comparatively short, and the snout is so abnormally prolonged that it has been appropriately named the long-nosed bandicoot. Superficially, in point of fact, this and other allied species so closely resemble certain of the long-snouted insectivorous mammals, such as the tenrec and solenodon, that they might be excusably mistaken by the non-scientific for members of the same group. The bandicoots are chiefly nocturnal, and at all events incorrigible sundowners, turning up for their meals when the evening shadows fall, and taking a heavy and unwelcome toll of the farmer's potatoes, beets, and other root crops. Like the wombat already described, they are earth burrowers. Some of them, however, construct nests above ground, in long, coarse grass or low-tangled shrubs, which are so ingeniously built, in accord with their environment, as to readily escape detection. Insects and worms, in addition to a main diet of vegetable matter, contribute to the bandicoot's somewhat heterogeneous menu. The wood and root-boring larvae of a moth, which infests the Australian wattle or acacia trees, are a very favorable food with several of the species, and it is worthy of remark that the bandicoots are not alone in displaying a penchant for this delicacy. Under the title of bardies, they are collected and highly esteemed for food by the natives of Western Australia, who eat them either cooked or raw. These larvae are, moreover, acceptable to many European palates, and the writer has witnessed little faggot-like bundles of them brought round by the natives to the hotels at Geraldton, Western Australia, for sale or barter to chance customers. It may be observed in this connection that the analogous wood-boring larvae of the goat moth, which were kept and specially fattened for the occasion, constituted one of the dainty dishes of the luxurious Romans. 
one of the commonest species found in Tasmania is known as the banded or striped-backed bandicoot, being so named on account of the characteristic markings of its fur. The general ground color of the coat is an almost equal admixture of black and yellow hairs, the black tint, however, prevailing on the back, and the lighter one on the sides. The hindquarters are, however, variegated by the presence of some three or four broad, transverse stripes that are almost entirely black, while the intervening spaces are a light whitish-yellow. A few shorter stripes are sometimes continued as far as the root of the tail, this appendage also having a dark line running along its upper surface. The head is of a somewhat lighter tint than the remainder of the body, while the breast, abdomen, and feet are white, slightly tinged with grey. The transversely striped pattern of ornamentation of the hindquarters of this bandicoot is of interest with relation to the circumstance that a similarly located banded variegation of the fur occurs also in the Tasmanian wolf, or psilocyne, and in the banded anteater, described in the following section. As a color pattern, it would appear to be quite peculiar to these marsupials, no such restriction of the markings occurring among the higher or placental mammals. In the South African suricate, a member of the Ichneumon tribe, in which the nearest approach to this dorsal banding is met with, the stripes are equally developed as far forward as the base of the neck. Both the banded and other species of bandicoots are extremely swift and active in their movements, and are at the same time noted for the singularity of their gait. This consists of a half-running and half-jumping action, induced by the peculiar structure of their feet and greater length of their hind legs, which are modified on a plan intermediate between that of the kangaroos and the dasuries, or native cats. The back of the animal while running being highly arched adds to the grotesqueness of its appearance. Like the native cats, the pouch in the bandicoots opens backwards. It is furnished with eight teeth, but not more than two young are usually produced at a birth. The striped-backed bandicoot is not infrequently adopted as a household pet in spite of its notorious garden depredations. When thus domesticated, it appears to be capable of developing a strong attachment for its owner. One that was owned by friends of the writer especially attached itself to the lady of the house. It was acquired when quite young, having escaped from the pouch of an adult female, which the dogs had killed, and being then about the size of a mouse. It speedily learned to lap milk and throw on a diet of bread and raw potato. As it grew larger, it was allowed to run of the house, and also of the garden, but habitually returned to the sleeping quarters selected by itself, and represented by the woolly depths of its mistress' work-basket. In this haven of rest it slept all day, scolding and snapping at any intruding hand. Towards dusk it would waken up and bustle about in a most energetic manner, with the air, in fact, of having an immense amount of business to transact within the very shortest limits of time. Its first dart was always towards a corner, where a supper of bread and milk and potato was usually placed. This meal discussed, its evening's occupation commenced of scampering around the room and over every accessible article of furniture. 
nor was it shy of climbing up and resting for a few seconds on the shoulders of its human friends, being always, however, in too great a hurry to prolong the visit. Finally, as with all pets, Kuta, as he was familiarly named, came to an untimely end. Not a cat, however, on this occasion, but, if rumor whispers true, through over-indulgence in a too liberally furnished meal of custard pudding. The flesh of this and other species of bandicoots is esteemed for food both by the natives and the white settlers in Australia. It is noteworthy of the banded variety, more especially, that the skin adheres so tightly to the flesh that its removal is a matter of some considerable difficulty. When fully grown, this species measures as much as 18 inches in total length and is little inferior to a rabbit with regard to the amount of good meat it provides for the larder. End of section 64